I'm uh, coming to you from Jerusalem. We just turned the clock back yesterday. And um, I've been meditating about Bidud and uh, quarantining. And to look at the ark that Noah was in uh, as a kind of quarantine. And so I want to look today and I'm going to share my screen with a text, if I can. Can everyone see the text? And I want to just look at these, these six psukim, because this was his response to coming out of quarantine. So if we look at the verses, this is Genesis, uh, Parshas Noah, and I want you to look at it from a chiastic structure, because um, what I want to do is to look at inebriation from a uh, literary perspective in the Tanakh, through the Midrashic, uh, through the Kabbalistic Hasidic to the modern. So we have the three sons, Shem, Ham, Yafet. And then he already tells us Ham is the Avi Knan. And if you look at the, the third to the last Pasuk right here, Vayome Arur Knan. So the author is already telling us that the function of this whole pericope is to tell us the fate of Canaan. He had three sons, but Canaan will be cursed. And over here, I, I pointed out the genealogy of Shem, Ham, and Yafet. And you can see that from Shem will come Abraham, from Yafet will come the Greeks and the Persians, Madai, and from Ham will come Africa, Canaan. And we know that Canaan will be Arur. Uh, we will be conquering Canaan, and so there's no question in my mind, uh, based on Kasuto, that the function of the pericope has nothing to do with inebriation. It has to do with the introduction of Canaan and the cursing of Canaan. Now, in the middle, we have these psukim that talk about, so he plants a vineyard, he drinks from the wine, and he becomes Vayitgal, in the in the hitpael something was revealed and then he's 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 drunk so that's section one of the middle section then comes the the, the three psukim and the verbs are ham sees uh, avi kanan so he sees the gaze of the erotic at our ervas of it and sham and Yafet took the erva and covered it. That's a whole different discussion about the disclosure and the covering of the genitals. And then Vayikatz Noach Miyeno Vayeda. Vayeda is the second time since Adam knew his wife. Vayeda et Asher Asab Beno Hakatam. So you can see that buried in the chiastic structure of Canaan's curse is this episode of, uh, of the drunken state. Now, there are a number of narratives in the Hebrew Bible uh, which deal with uh, seemingly inappropriate behavior such as drunkenness. Lot's drinking of wine with his two daughters and 
it's very paradoxical because the characters are models otherwise of righteous behavior. Noah is a tzaddik, ish tamin, b'dorotov. And yet, leaving Ark after the flood, his first action is to plant a vineyard and get drunk. And as he lies naked in his tent, his nakedness um, is revealed by one of his sons, Ham Avikanan, who acts in an inappropriate way, not specifically detailed in the biblical narrative, but fleshed out in Midrash. So the, the biblical narrative doesn't dwell on Noah's inappropriate behavior. So then how are we, the reader of this narrative, expected to look at the act of drunkenness in light of what the Bible has told us is that he's a righteous man. And so, as I said before from Casuto, Casuto points out that the brevity of the text, only two psukim regarding his drunkenness, the th states, is suggesting that the drunkenness is not the focus of the story. It merely is a means to the real purpose, which is the blessings and curses of Noah. Very nice. Now, therefore, Noah's nakedness, rather than his drunkenness, is not at the heart of the biblical text. It's the ervas, the erva that is in the center, but not the, the punchline. When we go to Genesis Rabbah and the Midrash, something changes. Let me first quote the Midrash Tanhuma, which Rashi had used. And here you can tell me uh, what the function of this pericope was, whether it was, as Kasuto suggests, the blessings and curses of the children so that the genealogical line of ten generations will end up with Abraham and Canaan will be cursed, or was it the inebriation of Noah? And so Noah was planting a vineyard, and Satan appeared before him and said, what are you planting? And he said, a vineyard. And he said, what is it? And, and so Noah says, its fruits are sweet, whether moist or dry. And from them one produces a wine that causes the heart of man to rejoice, as it says in the Torah. <laughs> He's quoting to Sotom, Tehillim 104, Yain Yesamach Levav Enosh. And now Sutton says, come, let us be partners in Burisma. Let us be partners in this vineyard. And Noah replied, sure, why not? So what does Satan do? First, he takes a lamb. This is such an amazing drush. He takes a lamb and slaughters it under the vineyard. Then he takes a lion and slaughters it. And afterwards, he takes a pig and an ape, <laughs> slaughters them in the same place. And now he's got this mixture of blood that seeps into the earth that waters this vineyard, watering the vineyard. He did this to demonstrate to Noah that before drinking wine, man is innocent like a sheep, a sheep before his sh shearers. That's a postulate from Yeshayahu, right? Gozes Lifneg is there. And after he drinks a moderate amount, he believes he's as strong as a lion, <laughs> boasting that no one in all the world is his equal. Reminds me of my colonel. When he drinks more than he should, he behaves like a pig, wallowing about in urine and performing other base acts. 
And after he becomes completely intoxicated, he behaves like an ape, dancing about, laughing hysterically, frighteningly foolish, and is incompletely aware of what he's doing. And and the Tanhuma ends, and all of this happened to the righteous Noah. And then he makes a kalvachoyma. If the righteous Noah, whom the Holy One, blessed be praised, could behave in such a fashion, Allah has come of a kama, so can every other man. Medrash Tanhuma, Noah 13. So for sure, this Medrash is not interested in the blessings and who's in the family and who's out of the family, but he's telling us the perils of inebriation. When we go to Genesis Rubber, he's much more specific about the triggers for the Medrash. If you look back on our page, it says, Vayechal Noach. What does that mean, Vayechal Noach? He began. Well, you don't have to tell me he began. Just say, and he planted a vineyard. What did he begin? Ah, that word Vayechal comes from the word Chulin. Before he planted the vineyard, in his head, he had already gone from the status of Kedusha to the status of Chulin. Like every addict will tell you, the day you move your finger on the porn site or you take that first drink, it's already too late. Because already in your head, you've been in a funk. You've already gone into that state of neediness before you pick up the drink or use your finger to trigger trigger or take that snort. That's, that's the end point. You may think it's the beginning, but, and, and we know this neurologically as well on, on functional MRI. He became profane. Because he planted a vineyard. Well, why? What's wrong with that? The Medrash is very critical. Let him plant something of use, like a fig or an olive shoot. Remember, he took those into the Tava with him, all three. Instead, he planted a vineyard. And whence did he produce? Where, where did he get it from? He took it from the ark with him. Vine shoots for planting, young shoots for fig trees and olive trees. As it says, and you shall gather to thee, the Asafta. The Posuk says, Embraces the asafta elecho. You shall gather. Those are the kind of things that you gather. A man gathers only what he needs. Okay. And he drank of the wine. So vayesht, as we say in the next pasuk, vayesht minayain. So obviously, if he um, if he's drinking, we know he's drinking vayishaker. He could have just said, and he became drunk from it. Why does it have to say, and he drank the, from the wine and got drunk? So the Medrash says, Shoso Shelo Bamida. He didn't know when to stop. That means he was drinking and drinking and drinking. It's in the imperfect tense. He was in the process of drinking continuously, the Nitbazer, and he became abused from it. Rabbi Chiyaba Abba says, Bayom Nata, Boba Yom Shata. The day he planted, maybe because of the blood was so rich from the soil, from the Satan, that day already started drinking, and Bo Yom on the same day, Nitbazer, he became ashamed. Now, the last word that triggers the Medrash is on that third verb in our chiastic 
Vayitgal betocha ahal. Now that that yitgal, gila is the root to be revealed. Vayitgal means that it was in the in the hitpael. It was reflexive. What is the reflexive nature of that? Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon said he was vayitgal is not just the word galui revealed brilliant listen but galut because of his action his inebriation there was an exile for himself out of the divine presence and for subsequent generations whatever happens to them happens to us so this is a kind of paradigm an archetype of blessing then immediately followed by our behavior or misbehavior causing repercussions that go rolling down the generations for subsequent generations because he says the ten tribes were exiled only because of wine Okay, when you look at this literary structure of the Medrash, it's quite clear that the emphasis of the Medrash is Noah's behavior and particularly the effects of intoxication. Even though, like Kasuto says, out of the eight verses, there are only two that have to do with drinking wine, the Medrash expands this from the biblical text. Okay. Now, why would the Medrash interpret the biblical text this way? And for here, I don't follow Kugel's interpretation, but I'm too much of a historian and too much I see the zits in Laban of a Midrashic text in the late antique period, that every Midrash is a polemic, the way every Midrash today or every pulpit rabbi is a polemic. Uh, yesterday, my wife told me, my wife and my sister are intoxicated with Jonathan Sachs. He should be, have a full healing from his cancer. And he was talking about Noyach being a tzaddik in pelts. Now, a tzaddik in pelts means he should have been worrying about the Dora Mabel. He shouldn't have been just worrying about himself. So the tzaddik, according to, to the Hasidic tradition, should be lighting a fire for everyone around him. Instead, he just puts on a fur coat. That's the notion of a tzaddik in pelts. And so Jonathan Sachs, with a polemic against the Haredi world for wanting to open up yeshivas in magical thinking, blah, 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 delivers, according to my sister and my wife, this wonderful drush. It's not new, but it's very, very, very well articulated. But it's a polemic. It's a polemic because we live in this corona age and he needed to make a statement that applied a midrashic trope to our age. That's what's going on here. So then what do I think is going on here? What is going on here is Chazal seeing excessive drinking that's going on. Well, where are they seeing that? We're in the late Hellenistic period. Apparently, the audience is engaging in what kind of excessive wine drinking? Well, we know, thanks to Lieberman and, and the last hundred years of good scholarship, that the Greco-Roman social and cultural background of the times is entirely relevant, relevant to Genesis rubber.
The Greeks, for example, had a god of wine, which we know, Bacchus or Dionysus, and this god was elevated to position of one of the 12 Olympian deities. And in fact, the entrance to his oracle, it says, uh, know thyself. My father used to tell it to me in Greek. And the culture of drinking wine in the Greek world of the Second Temple period is known mainly through the work of Athenaeus in his book, The Learned Banquet, written in the early second century. And there he quotes the Athenian <coughs> Menestheus as saying that wine was revealed by the gods to men. And one custom that was particularly employed by the upper class of Greece was called the symposium. And the word itself implies drinking together, symposium, or entertainment with sexual undertones. And often drinking to excess was almost the goal of the party. The Romans adapted the symposium to their culture, making it a place of ostentation, drunkenness and debauchery. It's conceivable, it's more than conceivable, that early rabbinic views about drunkenness developed as a reaction against the Greco-Roman cultural norms that had seeped into the Palestinian cities that had been Grecified. Okay, that is the cultural background for which I consider a medrash to be of importance because we know from Sixter of Kahana that uh, these sermons were given on Shabbos and then were transcribed. And we know that because they were given on specific Shabbases of the year. Okay, let's go now to the Talmudic interpretation. Gomorrah and Sanhedrin in 70a talks about Noah as messengers, God's messenger, falling, Noah falling into, into the sea, the sailor who fell from grace into the sea and became a drunken sailor. How did he fall into sea? Sin, he planted a vineyard, drank the wine, became drunk. The Gomorrah says that there are 13 letters of, and you can count them here on my sheet, of the verbs, the number of verbs that are used in this pericope are 13. The Noah, Hoya Ish Adama, the Nata Karem, the Shata, the Tishka, there were 13 verbs, each with the Vav Hahipur. And Rashi explains there, not here in the, in, in, in the Gemara, in, in the Torah, but in the Gemara there, that the 13 Vavs allude to the Vai Vai. A Vav can also be in Greek the letter Vai, meaning Oi Vei. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So there were 13 stages of Vai in his descent from being a righteous man to a drunk. Now, of course, Kabbalah picks up on those 13 vavs. The number 13 in Kabbalah are the Yud Gimel Dikna. There are 13 strands of the beard. In, in, uh, a chassid grows his beard very long, and by Chabad they actually tie it up. They never they never are supposed to, um, to, to, to shave their beards. And that's because this is the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim. The head has to be shaved because that's Din. And the payas, the function of the payas, are to bring the chasadim into the din, to sweeten the judgments. So a real chasid has a shaven head, long pious, meet a longer board. 
That is the original. Chabad changed it. They don't wear payas. Don't ask me why. Uh, but regular Hasidim have a shaved head, long beard, and the payas just short, connecting them to things. Only breast livers have them long down here. Okay. So the 13 vies that the Gemara talks about are used in Kabbalah to make use of the 13 Yud Gimel meters of Rachimim. And they suggest that his drunkenness and his, the 13 corruptions of these verbs that made him descend was a corruption of the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim. That's what Kabbalah does with that. Okay. In Hasidut, not Kabbalah, we have to find something good. And so the question arises, why was he drinking so heavily? We have to spin this. <laughs> we have to spin it in a good way. Why was he drinking so heavily? The father of all mankind, who it was in the Torah's words, a righteous man, Tamim Haya, perfect, was taking to the bottle like some drunken sailor. So a number of reasons are offered to justify his inebriation. This comes very late in our tradition. The first was the blessings, that's in the Pshat. In the Medrash, it's definitely inebriation. The Gomorrah takes it a step further and the Kabbalah takes it that it, it affected generations causing their exile and causing a pollution of the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim. Comes along Hasidus and says, quoting the Sefer Hadoros, that as a young man Noah once watched a goat munch on some grapes and then become giddy and cheerful. <laughs> so perhaps Noah was looking for a little pick-me-up time of bear, after bearing witness to the obliteration of civilization from the face of the earth. Finally, someone is talking about the psychological state of mind of Noah. He had been quarantined. And as he came out of the quarantine, he sees two million Americans suffering from COVID and thousands, hundreds of thousands dead. He sees a Holocaust and comes out of a Holocaust. So Noah, after the cognitive powers that could be harnessed through alcohol, wanted to try and get some kind of get away from it by, by evading the reality of what had happened after being quarantined. Another explanation was that he was after the use of alcohol to enhance cognitive powers that could be harnessed through alcohol to brighten his, broaden his horizon in Torah. Many people have talked about the effects of LSD in their religious life and their experience. There is an effect of alcohol. Um, I have to admit to you that I belong to an illegal kiddish club. Alan can attest to that. And that my Musaf Kedusha is entirely different when I say, and I'm crowning God at the high point of Musaf on Shabbos Kodesh. For the Kabbalistic prayer book, this is the highest point when the Ashkenazim don't even say Keser, but they just say Nakdishacha. But we say Keser, we place the crown on the king. And when I've had a couple of shots of scotch, I'm telling you, I'm high. It helps me. Here, please don't repeat. 
having witnessed the extreme depravity and immorality and the destruction it left in its wake, remember it was the immorality of the Dor Hamabul that forced him into quarantine. He had now come face to face with the consequences of God's wrath. And he gets drunk and subsequently disrobed in a, an a, ambitious attempt to return to the world of innocent time, that world of Vayeda. He suddenly realized that the das he was looking for was not available after post-diluvium. Let's just look at alcoholism from a modern perspective. We cannot not look at Noah as moderns. Now, the Targum Yonason suggests that the vine Noah planted was one he found floating down the river from Garden of Eden after the waters receded. They flourished and ripened in a single day. That wasn't a normal vine. That you can't do it bow by yom, plant it, bow by yom, sprout it, bow by yom, drink from it. Ah, it comes from this mythical Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden in which some say that the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil wasn't figs, wasn't apples, wasn't chida, but was a geffen. It was the most beautiful intoxicating grape and one of those twigs just a beautiful concept, was floating down as the waters receded and so he ripened in a single day so when it says noah ish adama a man of the soil it means that this fast root divine root because of noah's prodigious skill at viticulture it could have looked to him like a divine sign. Remember the dove bought an oak brush, and now the river brings a grapevine, and its rapid growth is a message that God had favored him with a special ability to produce wine. And a recent rant study chronicles the steep rise in alcohol consumption in the U.S. since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the study asks what people are doing, not why, but we know why. Faced with overwhelming stress and unimaginable tragedy and dulling the senses makes sense even if it's not sensible. How many of us are surprised that Noah at the first opportunity drinks or so? Tragedy and trauma don't have to happen on a global scale to propel people in this, in this direction. My patients and colleagues alike elect to block out the badness and calm the crazy with alcohol. Paralyzing anxiety, family guilt, conflict, loss, frustration, anger, poverty above all, literally drives a person to drink. And once they have so been driven, it's not long before they find that there are no breaks. And in the last decades, we've seen an improvement, a move away from the character flaw or bad habit models of addressing alcohol abuse to the disease model. And we can now look back at the inebriation of Noyach the Tzaddik and his alcohol abuse, most likely as a chronic sickness, just like diabetes, a legally available substance that freely consume people all the time, but off limits for a person who can't handle it. And I, I'd like to suggest then that we have to take a more modern view of his alcoholism, especially in light of our post-Holocaust era, in which we're dealing now with COVID and with quarantine. I've been here six days in Jerusalem in a tiny apartment. <laughs> I'm totally stir-crazy. 
I can can't wait to get out and smell the Jerusalem air, but I've got another another I gotta do two weeks according to the government. So I want to end the story of the Rishonah. The Rishonah, this is uh, a grandson of the Malach who was uh, the son of Magid Mezrich. On their way to Rishon, a group of Jews from Sandek who are opposed to the ways of the Hasidim decided to chatter him to make fun of Rishonah in order to enjoy a little argument, especially about alcoholism. And they state, we at least walk in the path of God. We set aside times for the study of Torah. We pray Shacharis and Minyan. On time, when the prayers are over, and we're still welling talismans, filling settled out of Sadmishnah. But you, Hasidim, not only do you pray late, but when you done with your prayers, you sit down to drink vodka. And they call themselves Hasidim, pious ones, and they call us Mishnah. It should be honest around. And so the original was listening into the Mishnah when these Mishnahim were making fun of the Hasidim. And he comes out, and for me, I don't know there's a greater 19th century psychologist than the Holy Rijana. And he says, you know, Rabbi Sai, the fact is that from the day which the temple was destroyed, it bred the substitutes for sacrifices which can no longer be offered. Moreover, the sages teach us that the daily prayer services were timed to correspond with the daily sacrifices. So just as the sacrifice is rendered invalid by an improper thought, that's pigle, and becomes an abomination which is not acceptable on high, so too is man's prayer invalidated by any alien thoughts. Remember, it was the Baal Shem that raised the stakes. You can't just do the vushvush. You have to have intent before, during, and after davening. So then the Rishina ends the following, which I will end with. The Yetzirah devises various schemes by which to introduce all manner of alien thoughts, and of course for Hasidim, most of these were licentious, into the mind of the worshipper in order to distract him. And that is why the Hasidim invented a counter strategy of their own. After the davening, they sit down to drink vodka together. And what happens? Ayid says to his neighbor, as each man gives expression to what he needs, oh, yeah, I need panasa, I need bonim I need a refuah shalema. His friends say, may God grant you your request. Now, according to the law of the Torah, prayer must be uttered in any language. So the the thinks that this host is merely a bodily activity, doesn't even realize that this is the tefillah. This lachayim, this wish, may the Almighty give you with the lachayim. This is the true filler. It's the time where the Sultan isn't around to give you these alien thoughts and that you can truly wish your fellow a, um, a beautiful prayer from the Almighty that should be healed. May we all be healed by the use of alcohol in its appropriate way by invoking the divine. And may we have a more, uh, <laughs> may we have a more uh, generous view of those of us who really are not uh, under the influence all the time, but certainly make use of it to enhance their religiosity. Have a wonderful week.